Welcome to the Life of Christ series for term two. This is lesson 16. We're going to continue where we left off in John chapter 5 and verse 16. I believe that's where we left off. Um, let me just read that verse. It says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things. Remember again, that was healing the man, telling him to pick up his bed and walk. On the Sabbath. In his commentary, dear Carson writes, and I, I've said this before, but let's, um, let me re, uh, re-say it again. In his commentary again, dear Carson writes, all the gospel, gospels report that disputes between Ju- uh, Jesus and the Jewish authorities over the Sabbath were so sharp that they figured prominently in the rising desire to kill Jesus. So this was the key issue that was behind them wanting to kill Jesus. It wasn't the only thing. Remember, he began his ministry and he's going to end his ministry with the cleansing of temple. Okay? And so that didn't go down too well either. Uh, but the other thing was that he continually kept showing them up for you know, the, the frauds that they were. Amen? And um, showing them up for basically all the things that they were doing wrong. All the things they said were important, Jesus came and said, those are important, but not as important as this. And so he just constantly... And see, again, the thing is, one of the things that I've realized, and let me make this point, I need to share this with you. One of the things that I've found, and watch for this, is that some people will start to argue with you about things and get into theological arguments in place of walking in the power of God and doing significant things. Okay, Because it's easier to stand there and say, oh, what do you believe? And for you to say something and say, well, I don't believe that. And then start arguing about something. You know, Say, for example, healing. Can I just use something as an example? This, by the way, this works on other uh, uh, playing fields as well, you know, for, with atheists and everything else. But let's talk about healing. I'll actually talk about both. But they'll start saying, well, do you believe in healing? And you go, yes. And they go, well, we don't believe in healing. And then they'll give you all the scriptures why you can't. The only problem is you've laid hands on the sick and they've recovered. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, you know, you sort of, can I just say this? Don't argue with people like that. All you need to tell them is, uh, okay, you know, that's a great case you make. However, I have laid hands on the sick and they've recovered. Explain that. Well, we can't because, you know, you know the scriptures are blah, blah, blah. Hang on, dude. When something like this happens, you need to go revise what you think about what you think you know. Okay, you really need to. So I'm not going to argue with you about this because there's no point. It's like somebody arguing that the sun's not going to come up tomorrow. Uh, doesn't matter how good your argument is, your argument isn't going to change the laws of gravity and everything else that's going on. It won't change the truth. It will come up regardless of how great your argument is. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so this is one of the things that we need to understand. I was, I was telling you about atheists as well. You know, this is one of the things that you need to get, even when you're dealing with atheists. You know, because they'll say, well, we believe in evolution or whatever. Just say, yeah, uh, that's fine, except I've seen miracles. Explain that. Okay, you say you don't believe in God, explain miracles. See, this is where... So, but if I was religious, then I'd be arguing with them. Oh, yes, but blah, blah, blah. And they'll be going, yeah, but you know, what, what you say about Christian science, you know, we've proven you guys wrong. And, and, we, and we'll be saying the same thing. We'll say, yeah, but we've proven your guys wrong. And yeah, that doesn't end. You know why? Because you believe what you want to believe. It, never, it doesn't matter about 
the evidence. It's what you want to believe. And some people say, well, if you show me enough evidence, I'll believe. No, you won't. You know, just in saying that, I know you won't. If you say, I'm interested in Christianity, you know, but I have a few things that I'll, 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 you know, I, I need some answers, I'll talk to you. Now, now I see where your interest is. Do you understand? But if you sort of say, well, I'm an atheist, and you know what, uh, if you can convince me, then I'll believe. No, no, no. You've told me that you are this. That's your whole view on life. I know enough not to. And the thing is, why argue about something that is... See, and this is where sometimes people go, oh, my, my faith is shaky. Dude, you laid hands on the sick and watch him recover. Something miraculous has happened in your life. Why are you letting somebody argue you out of what you know is true? Because they have a good argument? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, you know, again, we need to understand that, you know, I'm saying all of that to say this. The Jews are saying to Jesus, you've broken the law. And yet, Jesus healed. You can't break the law and heal. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? This is the conundrum. This is the problem. Okay? You can't do that. So what do you do? You bypass the healing and focus just on the law that's broken. Because the healing counteracts your arguments. So we, you need to always watch out for the Pharisees in the land. Whether they're atheists or whether they are Christians who don't believe in things that you believe in. That you've seen work in your life. Amen? Amen. Alright. Now let's move on. In fact, William MacDonald says, here's a terrible ex uh, exposure of the wicked heart of man. The Savior had come and performed a great act of healing. And these Jews were infuriated. They resented the fact that the miracle took place on the Sabbath. They were cold-blooded religionists, more interested in ceremonial observances than they were in the blessing and welfare of their fellow man. They did not realize that it was the very one who set apart the Sabbath in the first place, who now performed an act of mercy on this day. Did you get that? Jesus is the one that put this in place. And they're arguing with the person that instituted this about him breaking it. Do you get this? Okay. The Lord Jesus had not broken the Sabbath. The law forbade menial work on that day, but it did not prohibit the performance of acts of necessity or of mercy. Amen? Okay. Now, even though no actual accusations from the Pharisees toward Jesus have been recorded, following verse 16, we are nevertheless told of his response to their opposition and plots. With the Apostle John going to say, verse, uh, chapter 5 and verse 17, but Jesus answered them, My father... Okay. This is a very interesting. What, what he's about to say now is going to infuriate them. Okay, And when you read this, you might think, why are they upset about this? We're going to see. All right. Hopefully we'll get through it tonight. <laughs> he turns and says, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Now, the phrase, Jesus answered them in the Greek, has legal overtones. Meaning that Jesus is actually defending his actions. 
as he would in a court of law against charges brought against him. Do you understand? When he says, my father has been working until now and I have been working. <coughs> Excuse me. D.A. Carson gives us some insight into what's going on here by saying that about the end of the first century, four eminent rabbis discussed the point, does God work on the Sabbath? Can you believe the stuff that they're on about? Okay, anyway. (laughs) And concluded that although God works constantly, okay, which will be explained in a moment by J. Ramsey Michaels, all right, he cannot rightly be charged with, with violating the Sabbath law. Assuming it, Jesus applies it to himself. My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this self-defense to be valid, the same factors that apply to God must apply to Jesus. Are you getting this? Either he is above the law given to mere mortals, or if he operates within the law, it is because the entire universe is his. <laughs> okay? All right. All right. Let me go on to J. Ramsey Michaels because he explains this. Okay, so added to this, J. Ramsey, Ramsey Michaels further explains that the background of this pronouncement lies in certain debates among Jewish rabbis and philosophers over the meaning of the biblical statements that God rested on the seventh day. Remember that? Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, all right? Their conclusion was that God did not actually stop working after six days, for if he had, the world would have ceased to exist. Isn't it awesome? Okay, all right. Instead, he simply ended his work of creation and began his work of sustaining and watching over the world. In this sense, God himself breaks the Sabbath. Building on this conclusion, Jesus argues if God, whom he calls his father, is still at work, it is appropriate and necessary that he also should work even on the Sabbath. Do you get that? Jesus' assumption is that his works, works are the works of God. All this did was make the Pharisees even more mad. You know why now, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. We need to understand something here. God never stops working. Can you believe the argument? Who is to go question God about breaking the Sabbath? I mean, this is how ridiculous this is. Think about this. You create something, and then it turns around and accuses you of doing the wrong thing. Like somebody once said, I made you. I can get rid of you and make another one. Nobody will know. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Man, you know, I mean, why even go there? This is how stupid people become. That they think that, I mean, you just be thankful that he made you. Thankful that he's working, looking after things. Amen. I mean, you wouldn't even... You wouldn't even think to accuse God. And yet, here they are having arguments about, now, is God breaking the Sabbath? Wow. Just, you know, that's just beyond me. Honestly, I can manage a lot of things, but that is just like, the stupidity is just epic. That's all I would say. Moving on. William MacDonald points out, 
that this verse is very important. It tells us that the Jews became more determined than ever to kill the Lord Jesus. To their narrow minds, it seemed that the Lord had broken the Sabbath. They did not realize that God never intended the Sabbath to impose a hardship on man. If a man could be cured of a disease on the Sabbath, God would not require that he should suffer one day longer. Can we get an amen on that? Amen? Okay. When Jesus spoke of God as his Father, they realized that he was claiming to be equal with God. To them, this was terrible blasphemy. Actually, of course, it was only the truth. Remember again that it is this gospel that says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? And so now we begin to... See again, that's why I said the Apostle John had insights into Jesus that very few people had. That's the reason why I continue to believe that he received these insights because of his visit to heaven. I believe he saw things that he just... Every experience that he had suddenly took on a new light. Do you understand? And so his gospel was going to be something so different to all the others. And theologians say that it is. It is so different to the other three. They're called synoptic, his isn't. <laughs> okay? Synoptic means they see together. All right? But his is just totally different. And again, this is the reason why I believe. It's he saw things and he understood things. Can you imagine the kind of information and the knowledge that you would gain if you went to heaven and then came back? You would know things. You would have seen things. It would be hard for even us to explain some of the things that were going on up there. Hallelujah. I know Ezekiel had trouble with a lot of it. Have <laughs> you read his book? And wheels and eyes and all sorts of things. <laughs> you know. Anyway, uh, moving on. Some have argued that Jesus never really claimed to be equal with God. And that the Jews simply misunderstood what he was saying. But if that was the case, Jesus would have certainly made it abundantly clear to the Jews that they had got it all wrong. And immediately put an end to this great quarrel and conflict they had with him. See, I, I put that in there because a lot of times people say, well, Jesus never said he was God. Uh, he said it so many different ways, it's just ridiculous. And when people ever say that to you, understand that they are, all they're showing is their ignorance. Okay, and, and it also tells you something, don't argue with them. Because everything that you're going to base your arguments on, they don't know. So why start? Just saying. All right. Instead, he goes on to state this fact of being equal with God in even more positive terms in the verses that follow. With Sidlow Baxter writing, he claims equality with God in seven particulars. Equal, number one, equal in working. What things soever he, the Father, does, these also does the Son likewise. All right, that's John 5, 19. Number two, equal in knowing. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that himself does. All right, or he himself does. Equal in uh, resurrecting. For as the Father raises up the dead, so the Son quickens whom he will. Verse 21. Equal in judging. For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son. That's verse 22. Number five, equal in honor. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. John 5.23. Equal in regeneration, or regenerating. He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me is passed from death unto life. 
That's verses 24 and 25. And finally, number 7, equal in self-existence. For as the Father hath life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. That's in verse 26. So, Jesus, this is what we're going to be looking at. This is what our next chapter is all about. Uh, We're going to have to deal with all of these things one thing at a time. But I want you to notice that it begins here. They are mad with him for what he said. And he is going to now defend his position. He is going to, he is going to now give them just... I, it's almost like he said, you want something to accuse me of? I'll give you something to accuse me of. In fact, this will be the rope that hangs you. Because if once he reveals all this to them, and they reject it, that then seals their fate. Of course, we'll look at all this when we cover John chapter 5, verses 19, 19 through 29. For now, returning to... John 5.18, Arkent Hughes concludes by saying that when Jesus did this miracle on the Sabbath and commanded the paralytic to carry his bed on the Sabbath, he widened the breach between the Pharisees and himself. In fact, Jesus' statement was blasphemy. So it was their duty to kill him. Did you get that? Okay, because that's what they are seeing now. See, they are going to see themselves justified by what they do. All right? And they think they're doing the right thing by actually killing him. Now, just before we leave this topic of the Sabbath day, I thought it important to include something that R. Kent Hughes says in his commentary as to the reason why we choose to worship on Sunday as opposed to the Sabbath day or Saturdays. Are you interested? Okay, all right. Never mind. I'm going to tell you anyway. All right. <laughs> he writes... It was on Sunday that Jesus first appeared to his disciples. On Sunday, he first broke bread with his disciples after the resurrection. On a Sunday, Jesus gave a fuller understanding of the scriptures to his disciples. On Sunday, Jesus commissioned his disciples to the task of world evangelism. On Sunday, Jesus breathed on his disciples so that they received the Holy Spirit. Further, in the book of Acts, it was on Sunday... Seven weeks after the resurrection, that the Holy Spirit descended on the church at Pentecost. On Sunday, Paul preached to believers gathered together for worship, as was their custom. That's in Acts 20, verse 7. And lastly, on Sunday, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to John on the island of Patmos and gave him that great unveiling of himself in his heavenly glory that we know as the book of Revelation. Sunday is resurrection day. It is the proper day on which Christian believers worship. That concludes the chapter. Okay. Are you okay if we finish here? Yeah? Is, is that alright? And we'll come back next time and we'll pick up uh, in the next chapter. Which, what is the next chapter? 15, is it? Okay, so when we come back next time, we'll pick up in chapter 15 and go from there. And we're going to look at some incredible things Uh, that Jesus revealed. And I had no idea how important these things were. And, you know, it's sad that we don't study these verses out uh, and don't preach these verses on Sundays. Anyway. All right. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray and conclude for today. Father, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for all the things that we have learned. And we thank you, Father, that I pray that we have a, a greater understanding about the Sabbath. And Father, I thank you that as, as we begin to understand these things, that Father, help us to never become religious. 
where we, in a sense, crucify those things that are coming from you, thinking that we're doing the right thing. Hallelujah. We pray, Father, that we never come to a place of judging, that we are careful in what we say. And we thank you, Lord, that what we want to do is always please you in every way. I pray protection. I pray blessing. And I thank you, Father, for the faithfulness of each person that is here today. That you bless them and look after them, Father, in every way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Okay, well, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We're done. We're dismissed.